It is on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by this Progressive Insurance, ESPNU, all of our great ESPN, ESPN stations across the country, Sirius XM 80, and the ESPN app, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, with you. Tuesday night in the NBA is in-season tournament night. Tuesday night is primetime. <laughs> Tuesday night in the NBA is primetime. Man, this, man. We got some grimy last night in a good way. Well, a fun way. I don't know if it's a good way for everybody. Yeah. It's not a good way. But we saw last night Draymond Green uh, come to the aid of Klay Thompson. Literally the score in the Timberwolves-Warriors game last night, when this happened, if you're watching it on ESPNU, I will describe it for you in a second, was 0-0. <laughs> Klay Thompson was running down the court. He and Jaden McDaniels get tied up. They kind of get into a little bit. A Rudy Gobert comes over to try to break it up. He does not throw any kind of punches or pushes or anything like that. And Draymond Green comes from behind him and basically, for lack of a better way of saying it, puts him in the old school Brutus the Barber beefcake sleeper hold from behind. And Rudy Gobert is, is chirping at Draymond. Draymond, chir- Draymond chirping at Rudy Gobert. And they had a little bit of a thing last night in this game. The head coach of the Warriors, Steve Kerr, post game on Clay Thompson and his ejection. There's no way Clay Thompson should have been thrown out of the game. I mean, he's running up the floor, and he, the guy grabs his jersey, and he's pulling on him, and so Clay pulls back. And uh, no way Clay should have been ejected. That was ridiculous. The Draymond piece of it, um, if you watch the replay, Rudy had his uh, hands on Clay's neck, and that's why Draymond went after Rudy. And uh, that's, I saw one replay um, right after it happened. So we have this last night. We also have Anthony Davis getting into it with some of the members of the Grizzlies. I think overall, you. No, can... it wasn't members. It was Aldama. That was that was pretty. Well, then Marcus it, yeah. Smart coming over as yeah, well at yeah, the end of it. Yeah. But <clears throat> we had we had a situation. We had a couple it's the of most fight things. I've seen in AD this season. <laughs> I think he injured his shoulder pushing right? someone. <laughs> uh, so I think that it, it, what we oh, saw man. last night, what we saw was a level of intensity and griminess that I'd hope the NBA would want to see. I know Adam Silver went on J.J. Reddick's podcast and talked about the fact that he wanted more conversations about X's and O's, which I don't know why you'd want to voluntarily lose your audience by just going deep in X's and O's versus storylines. The NBA is amazing with the Mm storylines. We had great storylines last night. Well, it was all about the fights, though. That's, yeah. that, that's what the storyline was. The intensity that we saw was almost playoff-like. And that's what the NBA was hoping to accomplish with the in-season tournament. Whatever we saw last night, give me more of that. Because right. you had a lot of great ball games, even beyond the fight. I mean, first of all, T-Wolves-Warriors was a great game. Came down to the wire. Cat hit a big three down the stretch. Ends up being able to ice the game. I mean, you saw it with the Pacers-Sixers. Another great ball game. Tyrese Halliburton has 33 points and 15 assists. No turnovers. I mean, you had a lot of really good games last night. And to me, it just shows you that the players are motivated by having an opportunity to win, you know, another type of title in the NBA regular season, but then also being incentivized with the half a million bucks going to the winning team of the tournament. So I'm all for it. I think it's mission accomplished for the NBA in terms of what they were trying to use this device for. Yeah, I'm sure they're not thrilled that the attention is coming because a player put another player in a headlock. I'm sure that's not how they wanted the intensity. no such thing as bad publicity, though. Oh, I agree. (laughs) But they're never going to come out and say, we want more of that. But I'm sure they're thrilled that it's leading our show today. It's going to be the topic of conversations across the country today. But... Why is Carl Anthony Towns standing there watching Draymond Green choke Rudy Gobert? Come on, Cat. Like, like if Cat really rocked with Rudy Gobert, would he allow Draymond Green to have Gobert in a chokehold as long as he did? Come on, bro. And why we at it? Draymond, what, what are you doing putting people in the chokehold? Like, I, I get it wanting to defend your guy, Clay Thompson, but is that really necessary? 
That's dangerous, dog. Like we are, we there has been a movement to outlaw police officers using a chokehold because we know how dangerous it could be. Like that, that doesn't need to be a part of the game. Like there's ways to defend your teammate, to protect your teammate without choking somebody else. That's out of pocket by Draymond Green. In the NBA, this is a guy that's a habitual line stepper, a repeat offender. The NBA needs to levy some significant punishment in Draymond Green's direction because that type of action calls for it. That's inexcusable. But the other thing that I scratched my head about a little bit with that whole incident, Steve Kerr, what the hell are you doing in there? Steve Kerr, if you don't get your little ass out there before you have a Rudy Tomjanovich situation, like anybody running up on Steve Kerr, it could be a bad situation. But I hate the way that Steve Kerr tried to frame the whole fiasco as if Clay Thompson didn't have anything to do with Jaden McDaniels, you know, grabbing his jersey and all of the goings on. Like, I listen, the suspensions, the well, the ejections and whatever subsequent suspensions that come from it are all warranted because that's the ugly scene and the NBA doesn't want that. But in terms of the overall intensity, the mindset, the attitude that the players are approaching these in-season tournament games with, I think the NBA is all for it. Yeah, I, I don't like the manner in which Draymond defended its teammate, uh, but it does make it for a more compelling game and more compelling storylines. And I, I'm, I'm not surprised that he defended his teammate. I'm not surprised Steve Kerr would defend his players. And I love that this for the NBA, this feistiness, this sandpaper with the in-season tournament. They wanted to make the regular season have a little bit more spice to it, and it does. Clearly, these games have that intensity, and clearly it does matter to these players. And why do we love the NBA outside of the game? We love the drama. We love the entertainment. We love the transactions. We love the personalities, yeah. It, it is the best reality show going, the yeah. NBA. Things are always changing. And when you have Rudy Gobert after the game saying, every time Steph doesn't play, Draymond doesn't want to play without his guys, so he does anything he can do to get ejected, <laughs> and calls what Draymond did last night clown behavior, that's good for the NBA. I think in its simplest form, what the NBA has done with this in-season tournament is we notice it. Whether it's the courts, because they physically look different. Now, they're a little bit distracting, and it's tough to actually tell the lines as to where everything is. But we're talking about it. Right. We're talking about it. And also, you know visually, oh, tonight's different than other nights. Mm -hmm. We also know the level of intensity and the fact that the NBA – now, this is sad. What I'm about to say is actually sad for the sport, that they have put rules in place where players have to play. You know, like do their job, like they just have to go and play. But they have put these rules in place where you need a real reason why you're not playing in the play-in. I mean, the in-season, excuse me. Steph didn't play last night, has a real knee injury. So guys play, it visually looks different, and the level of intensity is higher. So whether you liked it or not initially, I do think so far mission accomplished because you notice it in a way that, let's be honest, tonight and tomorrow night, unless there's a great game, Unless you're a diehard NBA fan like I am, like an obsessive, pathetic NBA fan where I'm watching like the, like the G League games, <laughs> right? You don't notice it to the way that you would other games. Now, tonight, Celtic Sixers on ESPN, you're going to notice. Kings yeah. Lakers on ESPN, you're going to notice. But how many people are going to watch the T-Wolves and Suns tonight? Probably not many, right? But if it was an in-season tournament... It would look different. It would feel different. But you know what? People should watch T-Wolves, Suns because one of the things that I didn't notice that I do now is that Minnesota is a damn good basketball team. Yeah, and what's, they're eight and two, and they've won seven straight. There's an interesting other storyline. You know the la- you know the last time they won seven straight games. You got to go back to twenty years to two thousand and four. So the other storyline <laughs> about this, and they discussed it on the Hoop Collective pretty good. with Brian Windhorst, Tim McMahon, and Tim Bontemps. So you can get that on the uh, ESPN app. The other storyline is governorship change. That Alex Rodriguez, Mark Laurie are taking over. Different financial people involved. 
different pay structures for some people. Carl Anthony Towns' big deal kicks in next year, and there's a lot of talk about whether or not they would potentially move Carl Anthony Towns this year because of the finances moving forward. So just something to keep an eye on. Oh, and by the way, they mentioned that Anthony Edwards is compared to Michael. Yeah, Jordan. that's where I thought you were going with well, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was getting I, there. I, I thought you were going with the there's Anthony Edwards in terms of being Michael Jordan, somebody that has the skill set to be able to score offensively, that has that many tools in the tool bag and yet be a lockdown defender being the best defender on his given team. I didn't realize Michael Jordan won Defensive Player of the Year a couple of times, and he was all defense, I think, six years during his career. So for all of the great things that Michael Jordan did on the offensive end of the court, he was damn good on the defensive end, too. Like, you don't have a lot of players that have that dogged mentality and that much interest in being that dominant as a two-way player. But Anthony Edwards might be as good as they come when it comes to two-way players in the NBA. We never talk about it with, with great teams because we always focus on the offense. I mean, during that era, arguably the three best defensive players in the sport were Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman. <laughs> and that was your two, three, and four. Yeah. And by the That's way, why they won 72 games. And we don't talk about it a lot with the Warriors. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant when he was on the Warriors was a phenomenal defender, right? So Kevin we, Durant has always been a good defender. Right, but yeah. I'm saying even we notice it more, obviously, on yeah. those teams. So I think that we don't talk about the defense part of it, but yes, that's what we have now with Anthony Edwards. The other big story from last night, Anthony Edwards' school that he went to, Georgia, is now number— Wow. Did I get lucky with that transition? Uh, anyway, <laughs> Anthony Edwards' school that he went Pat's, to— Pat's self on back. Well, I, I stumbled Continue into it. Continue show. I, 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 Orlovsky style there. Um, number one, I got to be fair. When we were thinking about this yesterday, I was thinking about four and five more than I was thinking about one and two. I never went to the place of one and two. I, I was thinking about, okay, what are we going to be saying about Florida State if they get un, they're undefeated and they drop and Washington surplants them in the college football playoff? That didn't happen, but instead Georgia jumps Ohio State. Do we feel like they got it right last night? Yeah, I think they got it right. I, I mean, when you look at what the committee did, they, they, they made sure that they put um, Ohio State ahead of Michigan because of the quality wins. I mean, Ohio State also beat Penn State. They've also got a quality win against Notre Dame. Um, a team that's in the top 20 in the college football playoff ranking. So I think it makes sense to have Ohio State slightly above Michigan. Um, and then Florida State is, is still holding serve, even though Washington picked up another quality win. I think it's a situation now we're looking at Florida State and wondering whether or not they can get leapfrogged, even if they run the table in the ACC. And I think the key adjustment or the key change in the top 10 is Louisville now being in the top 10 because it feels like Louisville and Florida State are on a collision course in that ACC championship game and that would give Florida State a quality win to bolster its resume to be in the top four so overall I think the committee got it right but I do think it sets up for an interesting you know next three weeks because of some of the matchups and some of the jostling that's going to happen inside the top 10. I was very focused on where Michigan would land, obviously, with all of the extracurricular noise that has been surrounding them. And one of the things that I was taking into account when examining Michigan is all of the drama that was happening leading up to them even going to Happy Valley. The fact that they didn't have their coach and they were able to go into that environment and win. But I wonder if the committee is even putting any of that into consideration. I bet that's not even part of the discussion that they were able to win without their coach because – they're probably saying this is a situation of Michigan's own making, so why should we give them credit for overcoming circumstances that they're getting punished for because of their actions? Can I ask you a question on that? Yes. Let's spin it. Let's say a coach misses a game for positive reasons, right? Let's say they ha- their, their family's having a baby. They miss it for positive reasons, and they, a team wins without the coach. Do you think the committee would move them up and give them credit for that, or do you hmm. think because it's for negative reasons, we're not going to give them credit for that? I think it might be brought up 
it might be something that's brought up in the conversation. Like, hey, their coach was out. Let's say it was, God forbid, for health reasons or something. And they they could not physically be there. There was no choice. And then the team overcame that situation, and they had a big quality win. I wonder if that would be part of the discussion. Yeah, see, like Pat Costello, our producer, is mad that, that Michigan is not higher up, not because he's a Michigan fan, just because I test and, and numbers would tell you that they're an amazing team. Yeah. And he said, I don't know why this Harbaugh thing is being held against him in the rankings. And I said, no, it's not. But in this specific case, you beat a top 10 team without your head coach. That should be held for you. And yeah. it's not held almost at all. It's almost ignored. Well, well, well here's the thing. you found out no. last minute, by the way, too, that you weren't going to have Correct. that. Correct. It's, it's not as if you had all this time to prepare. Right. It's not like this week against yes, Maryland. exactly. Yeah, but, I mean, they did beat a top-10 ranked team in Ole Miss this past week. And then let's not forget, two weeks ago, Georgia beat Missouri. And Missouri is now ninth in the college football yeah. playoff rankings. How good does that Missouri win look now after Missouri trounced Tennessee? Like, it right. looks a lot better. So, Georgia being top dogs in the college football playoff – it's not something that, that doesn't make sense. But that's not the fight. The fight is not against Georgia for me. How is the fight against Ohio State? Because was Michigan's win last week better than Ohio State's win last week? If we're going to go to the in-the-moment win, and I think it is. Because Ohio State beats Michigan State. They stink. They have a coaching situation, obviously. Did, I guess the question became, or what I thought would be the question last night, would Michigan have done enough without Harbaugh beating Penn State to jump number two? And obviously not. Well, I mean, the, well, Ohio State beat Notre Dame and Penn State. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, Notre Dame is 19th in the college football playoff rankings. Has Michigan beat anybody else that's that highly ranked other than Penn State? They'll have their opportunity. They'll Ohio have their State. opportunity, but they haven't to date. So no. I think that's what the committee is ranking. They're looking at the resume and they're saying, you're a little light, dog. Yeah, we see what you've done. You know, you've, you've had, what, four games without your head coach? That's great that you've been able to win – all four of those games, and one of them against the top 10 team, but it still doesn't negate the fact that you don't have any quality wins outside of Penn State on your resume. So you have to wait and see what happens in the game after Thanksgiving uh, weekend before we're going to vault you over Ohio State. Coming up, which QBs do we need to see more from the rest of the way? We'll get into that next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smolman. Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. All right, there's a lot of quarterbacks across the NFL who we need to see more from the rest of the season. Their teams, I think, need to see more than we need to see at this point from them Mm, mm, the rest mm, of the mm. season. All right, I'm going to give you a QB. You tell me 
if we need to see more or less from them. And the less part is going to be interesting how you define less. That will yeah. be up, up mm-hmm. for interpretation for you guys. All right, Josh Allen. We need to see more or less from. I need to see more from Josh Allen. And when I mean more, I mean more ball security. Protect the damn football. You got six straight games where you've thrown interceptions. Don't throw the ball to the other team. Usually when that happens, your team is going to be successful. The interception that happened right before halftime is inexcusable. Why are you throwing that ball and giving the Broncos an opportunity for points that they otherwise wouldn't have? If you didn't allow that play to happen, guess what? The Broncos don't have three points. Guess what that means? You win the game on Monday night. Josh Allen, stop turning the football over. I need more ball security from you. Ain't nobody else to blame. You done got rid of the offensive coordinator now. This is on you, bro. You got to find a way to will this offense to be better, and that's going to start with you taking better care of the football. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing, just phrase it differently. I need to see less. I need to see less turnovers. It's exactly what you said. He has 14 turnovers, 11 interceptions this season. Both are the most in the NFL. If Josh Allen can limit that, this Bills team would be in a much better situation. So, while technically needing to see more, I just specifically need to see less turnovers. Kenny Pickett, more or less from Pittsburgh Steelers. I need more from Kitty Pickett. I'm, I'm with more. Mike Tomlin. I need more from Kitty Pickett. We need more. Like he's got to be good. Like I, I don't know how you allow your offense to be outgained in quite literally every single game. Like you have not gained more yards on offense than anybody else. Tomlin said that both him and Kitty Pickett, their jobs are not just based on individual stats, but it's based on team success. Wins are a part of the job description, whether you're a head coach or a quarterback in the National Football League. Kenny Pickett needs to find a way to be more of a reason why his team is winning games instead of being overly reliant on the defensive special teams to bail the offense out. They've got to get more from Kenny Pickett in order for this team to realize their full potential. Quick question on that. Does it scare you if he tries to do more, they win less? No. 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 Because, I mean, the goal for Pittsburgh is not just getting into the playoffs. The goal is to try to win championships. They can't win championships playing offense the way that they're playing right now. No, and you definitely, you definitely need to see more from Kenny Pickett. I, I still think he's a big question mark. I'm, I am astonished that the Pittsburgh Steelers are in this position so far this season, and to me that says so much, obviously, about Mike Tomlin. The one thing I will say about Kenny Pickett: no turnovers in the last four games. They're three and four in the last. Four, I mean, they're three and one in the last four games. Wow! So that matters. No turnovers. That's a good start. That's a good start. Josh Allen hates him for that reason. Uh, <laughs> Justin Herbert, you need to see more or less from him. We need to see more. We haven't seen Justin Herbert reach his full potential yet. He is a very good quarterback, but unfortunately, I think that there are circumstances around him, (laughs) coaching, that haven't allowed Justin Herbert to be exactly who we hope that he turns into. So I still need to see more from him. Less. I don't need more Justin Herbert. I need this offense to have a little more balance, and I need the defense to be better. Right now, the offense is 22nd in rushing the football, yet they're the 7th-ranked scoring offense in the National Football League. Justin Herbert is doing his job, but the head coach ain't doing his job, the defense ain't doing their job, and the running game is not doing its job. So it's less about Justin Herbert, what's going on in L.A., and more about everything around Justin Herbert. The Chargers organization has got to figure that out because they are wasting a generational talent. Deshaun Watson, more Ooh. or less. No one's going to say less. Right? <laughs> Absolutely no one is going to say less, especially after you got a little glimpse of what you you knew Deshaun Watson, well, at least you had seen in the past, yeah. and knew that Deshaun Watson was capable of at some time. Now, 
I am not as high on the Deshaun Watson train. I'm not sitting in first class like a lot of people are because it was one half of good football. I need to see much more from Deshaun Watson to consider him the worthy of the contract that he was given. But if he can be that guy, if he can consistently replicate what we saw this weekend from him in the second half, that is a scary proposition for the rest of the league because the, the Cleveland Browns have every other component in place and clicking. Yeah, and I'm looking at their next three games. The Browns got a chance to stack some wins now. Like, listen, the last time they locked up with Pittsburgh, they lost that game because of Deshaun Watson. Multiple turnovers, multiple unsportsmanlike conduct penalties they on Deshaun. The show. They just exactly. love the show. Deshaun Watson has got to be better. Like, if he's the version of him that we saw in the second half against the Ravens, they'll beat the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. Then they're on the road against the Denver Broncos. The reason why the Broncos won on Monday night is because they were plus three in turnover margin. If Josh Allen and the Bills offense wasn't giving the game away, literally and figuratively, the, you know, that's a win for Buffalo. So Cleveland has an opportunity in that game. And then you got the LA Rams that are floundering. Yeah, Matt Stafford's back, but I don't put a lot of stock in that. They're three and six for a reason. Yeah. So the Cleveland Browns got a chance to stack some wins. And the biggest question mark that we have is what version of Deshaun we're going to get. And so that's why I think we absolutely have to see more from him. Geno Smith, Seattle Seahawks, more or less? More. I got to see more from Geno, man. Geno's got to stop turning the ball over the way he has, too. That's, that, that's something that's that people haven't talked about. That's where the more or less thing is tricky, because I was yeah. going to say less yeah, yeah, turnovers. Yeah. Geno got to stop turning the ball over, too. Like That's one of those things he's got to be more cognizant of. The great part about what we saw from Geno last year is that he he had more ball security, so that's the one thing that I'm looking for from him, protecting the football at all costs. We know that Seattle has enough talent on both sides of the ball to be a playoff team. They're going to be in the playoff mix again. They're actually in a position where they can compete for the NFC West, which nobody had on the board after the first four or five weeks of the season. So in order for them to get that done, Geno Smith has got to protect the ball. I need to see more of what I saw from him versus Washington. He he engineered that game-winning drive. It was Mm -hmm. the sixth game-winning drive he's had since the start of 2022. And he also was great against the rush. He threw for a career-high 299 yards against four of your pass rushers. I just need to see more consistency from Geno Smith. He ha- He's put it together at times, but the- it ebbs and flows with him. I need yeah, to that, see it consistently. Yeah, and you know the key about that that drive and that game for Geno? was the first game in a month where he didn't turn the football over. Mm. It's G- almost like a lot of these quarterbacks were pointing to turnovers. <laughs> Yeah, you'd actually think they wow. matter in terms of the team being able to win games, it right? Seems to be a Turno- theme turnovers. Here. Wow. Hey, it's not overrated. Geno Smith was at his best when he was trying to get the job and keep the job. I think he has to operate that way. Like he can't the, the underdog mo- mentality. Yeah, the moment he thinks like, "Oh, I've arrived, I'm good," is when you start taking chances that you probably shouldn't take. And your your goal with a team like that should just be, "I'm going to throw the ball to my team at all times." All right, I'm going to give you one more because this is a weird one. Because we think about his team having such a great season. And we think about him being so great, but I'm not sure, and I'm the biggest fan for this guy, but Trevor Lawrence, more or less. I need to see more from the Prince, man. Like, it, it just, it, you He's know, had a I, weird I thought, year. I thought he was poised to take that next step, especially mm-hmm. after the postseason run that we saw them have, and it just hasn't worked out that way. They got him a number one receiver in Calvin Ridley. Travis Etienne is one of the best running backs in all of football. The defense has been opportunistic. They're, they were tops and takeaways, so I, I – I need to see more from Trevor Lawrence. Such a weird year for him. Yeah, I didn't expect them to get smoked the way that they did at home coming off of a bye week. Now, here's the thing. Bye weeks for young teams are tricky. Sometimes the players don't come back, and it was clear that, you know, the 49ers are a veteran team, the Jags are a young team. But, 
I don't know, man. Trevor Lawrence has got to be better. Like they, they like they they don't they got to be careful because they got a team in in their division in the Texans that's creeping. The Texans are creeping right now. Who like thought we'd ever say about, that sentence this you, you, year? <laughs> you know, listen, usually you talk about the Jaguars as, a, as something that's creeping, but the Texans are creeping. Jag, uh, Jags better be careful. They're going TLC. Yeah, they creeping. Creep. They creeping. Creep. They creeping. You never saw the other guys? No. Oh, I give up with you on the movies. It's a great, it's a great I, movie. It's a flaw in my game. Yeah. All right. Anyway, coming up. Uh, this is something you don't normally see. A general manager tells you that his star player will be hurt no matter what. We'll get to that <laughs> next on Sportsman like ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPNU. Well, this is a story you don't see every day. Got to be honest. When this came across, it was almost more surprising than an NBA player putting another NBA player in a headlock last night because then you learn who the two players are. And it's <laughs> Draymond Green, okay, and who is he putting a headlock on? Rudy Gobert, one of the most disliked players for whatever reason amongst NBA players in the NBA. So Brian Cashman is the longtime general manager of the New York Yankees. He's basically been there longer than most people have been alive. He's been there longer than most Yankees fans would like. Yes. <laughs> now, he does have World Series rings, but... This is the reality of it. He's been there a long period of time. So Cashman was speaking to the New York Daily News about Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton is a great baseball player, gets banged up a bunch. We know that. And has been an MVP, if I'm not mistaken, right, in the, yeah. in, in the NL, National League. NL MVP, yeah. Right, before he came over to the Yankees. So this is the quote. There's no audio of this, but I'm going to read it. And um, he, this is real. We can talk about it, and we're talking about Stanton trying to limit the time he's down. But I'm not going to tell you he's going to play every game next year because he's not. He's going to wind up getting hurt again, more likely than not, because it seems to be part of his game. But I know that when he's right and healthy, other than this past year, the guy's a great hitter and has been for a long time. Okay, there are end quote. There, there are a lot of players in sports we know get hurt a lot. Unfortunately, nobody wants to be hurt. We never hear a general manager say, "Well, it's part of their game." That again, this has never been said about Ben Simmons. Okay, never. And who's hurt again? By the way, Joel Wolf, <laughs> Stanton's agent. Okay, puts out a statement yesterday. Quote: I think it's a good reminder for all free agents considering signing in New York, both foreign and domestic, that to play for that team. You've got to be made of Teflon, both mentally and physically, because you can never let your guard down, even in the offseason. 
Actually, he told The Athletic that. I'm sorry. He didn't put out the statement. There was an interview with The Athletic, which you know if he's saying that, that has to be approved by Giancarlo Stanton. This is ugly. What are we doing here with this? If you're, is, is Cashman trying to get himself fired? Is he trying to get a player to ask out and make it easier to trade him for less? That part. And eat some that, of the that, money? That, that part. It's the latter part. Like, this is Cashman trying to ratchet up the pressure on Giancarlo Stanton because he recognizes that this is where the deal for Stanton gets ugly. Like, there are four years remaining on that contract, and I think it's like $120, $130 million left on it before they can exercise. 98 million. 98 million. Well, okay. Well, yeah, but 30 million the Marlins are going to end up eating. So, uh, again, 120 right. million. So, uh, again, it's a situation where you want Stanton to waive his full no trade clause so you can put together players and prospects and get somebody to take Stanton off your hands for their trouble. Like, that. that's. That's what you're hoping for if you're Brian Cashman, to make it such a toxic relationship, to make it such a pressurized situation here in New York where Stanton wants to run away from the situation. Because Stanton is holding all the cards. He's got the money and he's got the no trade clause. So until something blink, until someone blinks, until something about that dynamic changes, it's going to be more of the same. And for Yankees fans and I guess Brian Cashman alike, based on what he's saying right now, Stanton missing games and being out of the lineup – and being as inconsistent as he has been the last couple of years, they've had enough. This dude has missed over 110 games the last two years. At some point, you realize the juice is not worth the squeeze. Since 2019, he's played in just over 50% of the games. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. We all know that Giancarlo Stanton is injury prone. We all know that he is a guy that's going to miss a lot of games, but that when healthy, he can be very productive. But he's coming off, you know, the worst year of his career. He only played 101 games. He hit 191, 695 OPS. But if you go and you look at the injuries that he de- he's dealt with, it's a laundry list. Like, Brian Cashman is not wrong to say that part of Stanton's game is injuries. Now, this is not because of a lack of work ethic or anything like that. It's just one of those things that is unfortunate for a player like that. But I don't know... I hear what you're saying, Cece, about trying to disrupt that relationship and be strategic in that way and ultimately get what you want by moving him. But I don't know that it makes him more attractive to others. Well, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You're going to have to package some of your best prospects in order to move from from him. I don't know if it's uh, if it's uh, Jason Dominguez or Anthony. They're not giving up him to get off a stand. Well, Dominguez just had Tommy John surgery. Well, they'll listen. That, that's the only way you do it. That's the only way that somebody's going to take him is giving up on one of those guys. Like, you're going to have to give up on one of those, you young, one of those young shortstops that you like. Well, I don't think he's going to say that, what he said yesterday, with the intent of Stanton being long in the pinstripes. Like, he's not, he's not saying that to maintain a good relationship with John Carlos Stanton. And everything Cash does is strategic. So there is something behind this. And the only thing that actually makes any sense – is the fact that he's trying to make it a toxic relationship so he can move on from him. It's the only thing that makes sense. I just have no memory of a general manager ever doing this to a player. And there is something that Joel Wolf said there, and I, I want to point this out, the, the agent. He talked about mentally. You, cannot ha- you have to be Teflon mentally. Because what he's tipping people off to is if you, you can't have a bad day with the Yankees. You can't go to the general manager 
and say that you're not feeling well mentally or physically. That's what he's trying to perceive. That free, he's trying to discourage people from going there. But like, can you imagine? Yeah, he's trying to poison the well, but that's not going to do that for the Yankees. It's the Yankees, right? It's the most visible baseball team in the world. Yeah, we, so, I mean, we know that. You and have the, to be and, the, and, and, to and the Yankees them. are going to pay you top dollar. Like, listen, Garrett Cole. I'm pretty. I'm not sure that it was number one on his list for him and his wife to come to New York. But guess what? The Yankees are going to give him 324 million dollars. So he's coming to New York. Carlos Rodon, same situation. I'm going to lead the White Sox. I'm going to the Yankees because they're the highest bidder. Like, th- that's the thing. You can try to poison the well as an agent, and you may not like it, but every agent recognizes that the Yankees are good for business because they have a willingness to pay people the top dollar in baseball. So I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily see what Joel Wolf doing. I don't see him changing people coming to the New York Yankees. If they want a free agent, they're not going to be outbid for a said player. But this agent is interesting in particular for one reason. So Joel Wolf, who is Giancarlo Stanton's agent, also represents Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the Japanese ace. He is mm-hmm. going to be the top free agent pitcher in the market this upcoming season. So by fraying that line with Stanton and his agent, you're also potentially putting yourselves maybe not out of the Yamamoto sweepstakes, but you're certainly making it more riddled with obstacles in order to get to him and his agent. Because if his agent's saying all of this publicly about New York not being a desirable place to play, you know that he's saying that to his client. And and what Cashman is saying is not outrageous. Giancarlo Stanton is injury prone. Yeah, water is wet. We yeah. all know this. But in saying it in the manner in which you did publicly, that's something that that player and their reputa- re- representation and the circle around them is going to take personally. It's nasty. There's ways of saying it without having to be nasty. And he was intentionally nasty. And this is the second time this offseason that a guy that is, is famously not like this has been intentionally nasty, cursing up a storm at a press conference. I don't care that he was cursing, but that's normally not in his character no. to go about it that no. way. It's also not the Yankee way. No, it's like, yeah, I know this is not apples to apples, but you're going to tell me I have to be clean shaven and then you're going to just F bomb me to death? Oh, like, I said the same w- thing. Doesn't, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, but if I have a beard, then I can, like, I'm serious. You, you laugh and you root for this team. It feels it feels I have to laugh to keep from crying. But it's ridiculous. <laughs> like you can't tell me to be high and mighty and then F bomb me to death and then not have an opportunity to actually go through my day to day of mental and physical health and they're and he's just getting nasty. It's just it was nasty. But yeah, because what... because it was a terrible decision when they made it. Like I get it in twenty seventeen, Stanton led the NL in home runs, but you know who led the AL in home runs? Aaron Judge, if you mean to tell me I'm going to get a guy that hits a lot of home runs, an injury-prone outfielder, I would say, yeah, the Yankees already got one of them. It's Aaron Judge. Why the hell did you need to bring another one in Giancarlo Stanton? Well, I'm going to tell you something. What did that get you? I'm going to tell you something. You didn't need it. This is going to make matters worse, and this is not a report. It's more of a conversation that I was told around that time that the Yankees potentially could have had Kristen Yelich from the Marlins. Of course they could have. They didn't want to give up Miguel Andujar. Yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah. I would have made Yelich. Was Andahar with the Pirates now? I don't know. I don't even know. I I think the the concept of giving more pieces up to get Yelich to put him next to Judge makes a lot more sense than to duplicate that. Yeah, in the latest iterations of the Brian Cashman Yankees, they've overvalued prospects and they haven't capitalized on win now windows. And that's the most frustrating part as a fan. 2017 was a win now situation. But what did Cash say? I'm not going to sacrifice. A champion championships for a championship. But you know, Michael K said right after Cash made that statement, he said, you know, in order to have championships, you gotta win one first. 
Yeah. You got to win one first. That's all you – you got to win one – this team ain't been to the World Series since 2009. It's been a minute. Like, you sitting here talking about, oh, we got to hang on to the prospects in our forest system. Oh, get the players that you need to supplement a win-now roster. But guess what? It's not a win-now team. It's not a win-now team. This is not a win-anytime-in-the-foreseeable-future team. They're a bad baseball team. They're old. They're not athletic. They're slow. And Andrew right Brown. now, And right <laughs> now they can't put the ball in play. They hit home runs. They run into them. But outside of that, they don't do a whole lot else well. So you're a Yankees fan. You you grew up in New York. We all Mets fan. Yeah, we all love baseball. When's the last time the Yankees have felt this outside of themselves? Because even though they haven't won a World Series since 09 and haven't had the level of success that we associate with the New York Yankees, they never really never. felt that far outside of their never. identity. Yes, never. they did. When? There was one time, and Tell boy, me. was it laughable. When they hired Joe Torre in the back pages were clueless Joe, everyone thought the Yankees were lost, and look what happened. And I'm not suggesting that's going to happen now, but that is the last time people thought that they were this dumb with the way, and they were wrong, right? Joe Torre was Stick Michael? The back, no. Every newspaper was clueless Joe. He, they were annihilated for that hire. They, I'm looking at it but now, November 2nd, 1995. Maybe you remember it differently move, than I do. Though, yeah. That they're pointing to. I'm just saying, from top to bottom, even though there's a lot of talent on this roster, it just it feels dysfunctional. And when's yeah. the last time that we have used dysfunctional and the Yankees in the same sentence? It hasn't happened in a long time. And if I am a Yankees fan, that's concerning to me. We are not supposed to be dysfunctional. Coming up, Smalls will make us smile. Positive programming. <laughs> I'm for it next on Sportsman Life, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Time for a little bit of positive programming here on Unsportsmanlike. Evan Cohen, Chris Canty, and Michelle Smallman with you. And guys, the first thing that I need to bring to your attention is a bit of housekeeping. Mm. And at first it might make you frown, but then it might make you smile after that, we might okay. have an emotional wave here. Okay. But one of so the things. So, a Josh Allen type experience being on oh, a roller coaster of yeah. emotions? Okay. That's we, a frown into a frown, I think. No, sometimes you're smiling. Yeah. Sometimes you're smiling. But you're smiling kind of, you're, it's a hesitant smile. Okay. You know, you don't want to really like go there. It's like the upside down smiling emoji. <laughs> yeah. that, that one is like that one. With an eyebrow raise, <laughs> right? maybe. Um, so, guys, one of the things we wanted to do on this show was ESPN phone tag. And we wanted to make it one of the really fun signature moments on our show where we get to introduce ourselves internal, internally to our great colleagues. And they tell us who we should talk to next. So far, we've been on a great run. Yeah. We've had some great names be involved. Mike Greenberg, Joe Buck, John Smoltz, Boog Shambi. 
And he tagged Mike Breen. And it just came to me, guys, that the time is running out on Mike Breen. Really? We're supposed to have one calendar week from when someone tags the next person for our production staff, led by Nuno, yeah. to book that guest. And I just was thinking about it. When did we have Boog on? And it was a week ago today, which means... We have one hour and change on the clock for Mike Breen to call into the show or else Nuno has to face some consequences, right? Yeah, and the consequences was Nuno getting thrown in the cold. I got to interrupt. I apologize. Field Yates just reported Deshaun Watson will undergo season-ending shoulder surgery. What? Wow. Nuno, you are so lucky. Wow. Wait, Sean okay. Watson, so, season-ending shoulder surgery. So the ankle uh, is the what Browns got- have announced. Sorry, let me just let me just do this quickly. I want to read the statement here. This is the statement from the Cleveland Browns on Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson underwent magnetic resonance imaging. MRI. Oh, oh my god. MRI. <laughs> I'm so stupid. What did Orlovsky do? Monday on two injuries sustained on different plays in the first half of Sunday's 33-31 win over the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Imaging on his left ankle revealed a high ankle sprain. In addition, postgame, Deshaun notified our medical staff of a new discomfort in his right shoulder that he felt after a hit in the first half. An MRI of his right shoulder revealed a displaced fracture of the glenoid um, whatever it is, despite performing at a high level and finishing the game after consultations with the Browns head physician and industry-leading shoulder specialist, it has been determined that this injury will require immediate surgical repair to avoid further structural damage. Deshaun will be placed on season-ending injured reserved and a reserve, excuse me, and a full recovery is expected for the start of the 2024 season. Again, Deshaun Watson Per the team, out for the season, season-ending surgery on a broken bone in his throwing shoulder. Wow. Immediate reaction is what, guys? That this is a huge blow for the Cleveland Browns, who finally just got the play from Deshaun Watson that you paid him $230 million guaranteed for. You got one half of play from Deshaun Watson that you needed to see and – now it's going to end after a, a big win, a performance like that. This is when it ends for Deshaun Watson this season. I just, that is a major blow for the Cleveland Browns. Two thoughts. First of all, Cleveland Browns fans can't have nice things. They cannot. Like, just just so when they sorry, had a Cleveland. moment where they were like, man, we could actually win our division. Unbelievable. Man, we can go on a deep playoff run. Now you're starting quarterback who had a brilliant second half on the road in Baltimore, a place you never win, is gone for the rest of the season. Wow. For the rest of the season. 14 or so 14 there, so there's half. that part of it. And then, just thinking about the contract that Deshaun Watson got, there's no way that Cleveland is going to get the return on that investment. No, no chance. And you know what that means? That there's no way that any player is going to get a guaranteed contract for the foreseeable future. Ain't going to happen. Wow. Nobody's going to get that. Because NFL owners are terrified of what's happening in Cleveland happening to them. They, 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 they are mortified because the Cleveland Browns have no alternatives. They are married to Deshaun Watson, for better or for worse. And unfortunately for them, for the last year and a half, it's been for worse. And it doesn't feel like that's going to change anytime soon. A couple of things on this. First of all, 
I can't help but wonder what the players in the locker room CC are thinking because as their release was as I was reading the release, it said he reported his own injury, which is totally fine. But I wonder how players look at that. Do they look at it as come on, tough it he's out? Hurt. He's hurt, he's so, hurt. So they don't look at it that way. Yeah, he's hurt, he's hurt. Okay. Like they're talking about to avoid further structural damage, he's gonna have to shut it down. And it's not as if we didn't know that he had a shoulder injury and nobody's gonna question his toughness because we saw what happened in the second half of that game. He had a he had a he, had a, he looked he like he had a sprained that. ankle. When you said okay, he's gonna have season ending surgery, I thought it was on the ankle. On the ankle. I didn't Same think thing. it was gonna be on the shoulder. Same thing. Well, and then nobody's the other, questioning his toughness. That's the other no. part, the other part of it that I'm wondering is what happened all these weeks leading up to this because he was amazing in the second half on Sunday. That there were all the injuries. Is he hurt? Is he not hurt? Is he playing? Is he not playing? That there was all kinds of gray area leading up to this. That you do wonder now. Whether or not it was handled properly. And I'm not suggesting it wasn't. I'm saying every single fan now is going to retroactively play out. Should he not have played here? Should he have been on IR? Should he have been in rehab? Should he have gotten this shoulder surgery earlier potentially? And I know what happened on Sunday, but it was a lot of it was re-aggravated on Sunday. That I do wonder how we're going to look at it retroactively. Well, the first loss that they have to the Ravens, everybody was surprised that he didn't play. Right. And, and yeah, so right. the fact that they went with DTR in that situation, that all caught us off guard. And we were thinking that this could have been something that Deshaun pushed through because word out of Cleveland was he was medically cleared. But clearly that's not the case. Clearly it's something more substantial than that. And so I look at it through a different lens now than I did with the information we had in real time. This is was a legitimate injury that Deshaun was trying to manage, and it just so happens it got to the point where he can no longer manage it and maintain – you know, his ability for future years in his career. So, I I mean, it's it's a big blow for the Cleveland Browns. The guys on the defensive side of the ball, Miles Garrett and them, I feel for them because they actually have a defense that's capable of winning a championship. And then I feel for the Browns fans because yet and still we're in a position where quarterback is the biggest question to this team and whether or not they can compete at a championship level. As Adam Schefter puts out there, now without Watson, without Nick Chubb, without their starting tackle, Jack Conklin, just a disaster. Deshaun Watson out for the season, season-ending surgery. We'll continue that conversation coming up. It's Unsportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.